Welcome to the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. In this episode, we're offering event highlights from the 2022 Lead Innovation Summit in New York. Our goal is to bring you a concise summary so you can keep a pulse on the leading consumer trends. I'm Matt Gardner, here with retail experts Robin Wilson and Oliver Stocks, all of us here to help executives find their most resilient path forward. Oliver, as you're new on our podcast, let's start with you, if you would please share a brief background for listeners. Certainly. Thanks, Matt. My name is Oliver Stocks, and I focus on the industry cloud platform for retail and fashion. I've been with SAP for over 24 years at this point, working with customers and partners, collaborating and co-innovating together on new solutions that enable our customers to gain even better benefit from using SAP software. Thanks, Oliver. Robin, welcome. Please share your background as well. Great to be back, Matt. And I am the industry advisor for fashion. I started my career in fashion, running stores for Victoria's Secret. I was a buyer for Macy's. I worked for VF Corporation and spent about 15 years in technology, always working with fashion brands and retailers. And then just prior to SAP, I had my own women's clothing brand, designed and produced out of New York City. Excited to be here to talk about the great event we went to. Thanks so much, Robin. So let's start with an overview of the event itself. This was 1,900 people registered, 65% brands and retailers, and had really some of the coolest technology I've seen in the Discovery Village that was there. Robin, I know we've been involved with them for a number of years. Could you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so we've actually been with the lead for over three years now. And when I started with SAP, I actually was merged into their first innovation summit. They have done a great job bringing together not only emerging brands and those who are disrupting the marketplace, as well as marrying that up with those brands that we've known for a really long time. Their claim to fame, if you will, is really opening up the doors so that brands today can understand what kind of technology is out there to support their goals for growth and for innovation. So this event was very timely and everybody was really excited to be there and to connect with everybody face to face. Yeah, I thought it was really cool seeing this theme of all parties really starting to work together, direct to consumer brands, old brands, tech companies. How can they collaborate to really drive incredible change? And I'm curious, Oliver, how was the event for you? Matt, this was just an outstanding event. I've never been to anything like this and I've been to a lot of conferences and events throughout the years. The setting was beautiful right in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and you could see across the river, the skyline of Manhattan. The location was amazing. And there was so much positive vibe, so much positive feedback. Companies, big and small, startups, partners, software firms, delivering good. The speakers were very open to talking to people after the events. Another thing that I found pretty exciting, we didn't have to sit through 45-minute presentations or so. It was different formats, some of them being 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and packed with content. Yeah, it makes me think of the dinner concept of tapas, being able to have little sample plates of a lot of great things rapidly in succession. And I'm just with you that the formats and the variety were so impactful and so helpful to get to what really mattered. And let's actually jump into the themes. Robin, let's say from your perspective, what stood out to you as themes from this year's event? There were three things that really seemed to stand out to me. Sustainability, first and foremost, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. I also had the honor to moderate a panel with sustainability leaders from Colgate, Ecos, and Theory. 
And we could talk a little bit more about that, but sustainability definitely stood out. There was a lot to talk about. I love sustainability because it's all inclusive. Everyone's there to help make the world a better place. So there were some really great tips that came out and everybody wants everybody to really join in. The other thing that I think is very top of mind and I'm laughing because it's really new for me is the metaverse. For someone like myself who doesn't have the dedicated hardware, although you can look at apps and I've even built my own avatar, she's pretty cool, I think. You know, it doesn't give you quite the same effect. I think the metaverse is a long journey. It's really in infancy stages. There's really some great innovation out there about what can happen in the metaverse. I think it'll be interesting to watch brands as they try things very quickly, fail, try again, you know, all of that. And the last thing, diversification, making sure your business is not just all in one basket. Think about diversifying and think about wholesale. Think about direct-to-consumer. Think about how you can take advantage of social commerce, taking advantage of the metaverse and what does that mean. Thinking about your business from a holistic point of view because your customer is everywhere. And it's really going to be important to meet that customer where they want to meet the brand. That's how lifetime value is going to increase than all the things that are important to a successful business. So those are the three things that really stood up. Yeah, I agree with you, Robin. The major themes you summarized, like the metaverse is here to stay. We need to get used to it. And it's really one more layer, one more new digital revolution we're going to have to deal with and make the challenge like an opportunity. And I think all of the brands we heard from and the companies that were there are preparing themselves to play a role in this ever-growing opportunity. Years ago, dealt with the challenge of helping a new brand to find a good location in Manhattan and open up a pop-up store. And the logistics around it and getting this done and opening the store and having inventory in the store, that was just all a very significant effort for us. I attended a panel titled Tomorrow's Customer Experience Expectations. And among the speakers was a representative of a startup by the name of Obsess. And Obsess is a metaverse shopping platform that enables retailers to serve immersive 3D virtual stores on their websites. Now I'm dealing with a 3D environment where you're like, why, do, why would you even do all of this stuff? Why don't you just do a virtual setup and see how that works? <laughs> and so this is something that Obsess and several other companies are focusing on. And we are in the lucky position to have worked with Obsess in an early stage of their startup to accelerate their growth while enabling thousands of SAP customers to access information. Looking at how the dot-com push had this kind of buildup and a cresting and a moving into the future, I really am with you guys on the idea of the metaverse being on its ascent right now. I think one more dimension might be the passion that we see companies are investing into their brands and making sure that they tie the consumer to their brand, not only in the store or online, but also in their journey in life. And we see that there's a lot of interest in building out a company that is attractive to the workforce. We're living in a time where our young talent can go many different places and we need to build a brand. We need to build an environment where these people want to work. So I see a lot of incoming notion on building the purpose, building a purpose for a brand, building the purpose for its place in the economy, and that way also attracting young and experienced talent to work in those specific companies and brands. With that, Matt, how did you see the major topics of this event? Yeah, I love the themes you guys covered. A funny thing that, that one of the speakers noted is that retail is never dead or having a renaissance. It isn't really what we've seen. Instead, it's been adapting all of the different channels, which the store is one, to making sure it's an optimal experience for what customers are expecting. 
And so leaders are really focusing on the basics. Wholesale is still the most economic way to distribute things. The brands that have shifted to direct to consumer didn't really see a big lift. It's really just an additional channel. And so there hasn't been a direct to consumer revolution. It's how do you adapt to the channels available and the changes, the evolution of consumer expectation. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was this whole notion of, okay, everybody's been talking about big data for a long time. You know, everybody's collecting data, but now it's shifted to what are you doing with the data? <laughs> there was one panel that I was watching where one of the speakers was really pretty bullish about the whole fact that, you know, that's great. You got lots of data, but what are you doing with it? Right. I think we're going to see a whole evolution on how do I make it actionable? What do I do with the data once I have it? What does the action look like? And then how does it really bring an ROI? That theme of data being leveraged properly and put in the hands of people that can really make change seems to be part of the rising wave currently in retail. Robin, that brings to mind one of the sessions I really enjoyed on how brands are investing in live streaming. Leaders are really looking at starting with an idea of what might be newsworthy and then actually giving it over to influencers who can focus on storytelling and entertainment. And just in the light of, as you were saying around data, I thought this was so amazing that there's companies developing tools to offer data-driven feedback loops to the influencers. So they're the ones who can rapidly experiment, iterate, and optimize on behalf of the companies they're representing. Influencer marketing is a $20 billion market and social commerce is a $1.2 trillion market. These are massive opportunities to create better experiences for shoppers. Robin, I know you hosted a panel on sustainability. What stood out to you from that experience? The great thing about hosting a panel for me is I get really inspired by what I hear from others that are doing things that they're very passionate about. So I give you a little backstage kind of insight. These three women, we brought them together because of the panel. So they didn't know each other at a time. Immediately had this connection. And then, of course, this willingness to learn from what the other one was doing. And they really started to get very excited about what they were hearing. Here are three very different companies, very different in size, really coming together to think about how they are motivating individuals who are trying to help execute the vision of a CEO who has stepped up and said, this is what we should do about sustainability. These are individuals who are very caring and really want to see things through. They all tended to seem very nurturing to me. I asked all three of them, what is it about sustainability that drew you to it? And they actually owned in on that. And you willing to share was also very, very important. Here was Colgate Palmolive talking about the fact that they developed a toothpaste tube that is recyclable. And it was the first one. And lo and behold, they decided to share with any other company who wanted to use that innovation that they came up with. This idea of sustainability is for everybody. The sustainability officer from Ecos talked about going out to the parking lot, pulling open the dumpsters and realizing that they could take four dumpsters that they would fill up in a week down to one a month, right? Because of all of these things that could be recycled. So these were little tidbits that each individual took back and said, oh, I think there's something I can do in my company to help three individuals who really just wanted to be inclusive and bring everybody on board with a really great cause. This was an excellent summary of the panel. I really enjoyed it and really well done moderating, Robin. 
And it was very noticeable what you mentioned. They are all in this together. There's one world, there's one economy and one environment that we're living in. And it was really encouraging to see how these companies shared, also in front of larger audiences, what they're looking to do to increase the sustainability opportunities we see in the market right now. The representatives of Colgate, Theory, and ECOS also shared other ways of engaging their employees using the intelligence you might have in your own company to come up with new ideas that could help with those sustainability efforts. And from Colgate, as an example, they mentioned the trash as a team building exercise. Let's get together and sort through the trash we produce in our factories and find out ways to reduce that. It's been really enlightening to listen to the innovation officer of ECOS as she talked about the ways to engaging her employees to be even smarter about doing sustainability campaigns. And she said, what gets measured ultimately gets fixed. Always have an open learner's mindset. It's not about perfection. It's about doing something. On the theory side, they are all about figuring out new ways to deal with preventing landfills to be filled up with fabrics, reusing, remarketing, re-commercing. So it's really encouraging to see all of these initiatives these ladies talked about. What really inspired me was seeing how, as you said, Robin, the heart that's being brought to this particular aspect of business. Sustainability is something that the leaders that are getting involved have something active there that is helping create change in culture. And this, for me, connected a little bit to one of the other sessions, which was Mindy Shire, the founder and CEO of Runway of Dreams. Her come from, to me, resonated a lot in a similar way to sustainability, just because the motive behind what she was doing was really about the care of designing clothing for those that might not be able to use what's in the mainstream. Yes. So at some point, we're all going to have a disability, whether it's we've broken an R, you can't get the sweater on, or something else happens and now you can't button a shirt. Her passion and her focus on this and really helping brands understand the importance of this is really moving and very inspiring. Totally with you, Robin. I can't say enough about seeing the change that people like her are inspiring across the industry itself. Oliver, were there any sessions that were worthy of sharing more details around that you experienced at the event? Yes, thank you, Matt. I attended a session that was about the luxury segment. The overarching question was, how do we deal with the economic environment right now? Again, the overarching theme of the whole event was optimism. In my perspective, I was really amazed about the positive vibes that came out of these discussions. And basically, one of the speakers suggested that luxury usually does pretty well in inflation. In terms of historical data, they could prove that doesn't necessarily mean the downturn. And the gentleman from Mark Jacobs, who spoke about his experience, kept saying that we've made it through the pandemic, so we might as well deal with the inflation. We've done this before. This is not the first time. We have to adjust our behavior, maybe, but we're going to be successful. We're going to design clothing that customers desire. We're going to make sure that people feel good in wearing the brand, and we will be in this together. One other thought in listening to the luxury discussion we talked about the Gen Z, a fluent, educated iPhone owner who continues to search for information and who is eager in buying what he or she really desires. And it's really about creating brand recognition. And the gentleman shared with us that specifically the TikTok campaigns created really great momentum for him. So ultimately, very positive message. And it's been a very good session to attend. Yeah, it's interesting looking at segments in the way you're talking about with luxury and other segments. Another way that some of the panels divided things was based on line of business or focus. And one of my favorite sessions was the idea of marketing beyond Facebook, new platforms for driving growth. 
the panelists were a medical device company and a woman's clothing marketer, and they were sharing their experience since app tracking transparency was introduced in Apple iOS 14. Facebook marketing was originally money in and money out, really regardless of the message that people were putting into it. It just was kind of a black box that would turn out leads for whatever was needed. However, the medical brand ended up having to completely stop Facebook and market elsewhere and were surprised to see no loss in revenue after 60 days. Their marketing channels now include direct mail, print, satellite network radio. They even ramped up referral traffic by educating doctors who can give expert recommendations to customers. The clothing brand had a slightly different experience. They had to rethink what Facebook was to them and to their strategy. It's about finding where in the sales funnel each social platform works for your audience. If it shifts to the top of the funnel, storytelling matters more. And you can get at the right messaging by answering the question, is the consumer really understanding the brand and why it's important to them? Other strategies included focusing ads on top products, as well as using podcasts for their particular demographic. Of all of the insights, most insightful to me was that post-checkout surveys help them find a multiplier for their channels, and they now pick partners based on their attribution capabilities. Really cool to hear how brands are finding solid footing, even in this more privately focused marketplace as it is today. I think it's interesting. It's back to don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? I just talked about the iPhone and the technology and TikTok. But we also learned from the panel that old media, like good old Vogue, is back. So there's newspapers again, magazines again. We see a revival of some of these. And we see, once again, as the over theme we talk about, we see an omnipresence in anything we do here nowadays. So let's talk a little bit about generalized insights from one-on-one conversations you had. Robin, did anything come to light in those interactions at the conference? You know, it's really funny, Matt. We always get why is SAP here? SAP overall is really interested in supporting this industry. It's at the core of who we are. You know, 50 years ago, this was an organization that was started by individuals who just wanted to do the right thing by one customer. And that's how we grew. So today, 80% of our customers are small to mid-size. We love supporting smaller companies and really see these brands grow and succeed. So I try to share that with anybody that I meet when I'm at these events. We just really enjoy being part of it. It's really part of our DNA. It's, it runs through everything that we do. And I think it breaks that stereotype that perhaps we're too big or we're too complex or any of those types of things. I'm with you, Robin. One of the things that I often hear at conferences is SAP said SAP. Because for younger generations, SAP is just seen always as its logo with the three letters. And I think it's perfectly natural to say it that way, but I always find it amusing. The three letters are actually standing for systems, applications, and processes, in case that's useful to anyone. You're absolutely right. We get that a lot. I've been here almost half of the time that SAP has run on the market. <laughs> so I've been going through many different generations of software. The industry cloud for retail and fashion is really geared towards quick co-innovation, agile project cycles, working with co-innovation companies on new solutions that are easier to consume. I know we've seen a lot about supply chain challenges in recent years. And Oliver, I remember you and I having a conversation about one of the presentations that really blew your mind and what was being seen in the future of parcel shipment. Could you speak a little bit to that session? So I was in the session where American Eagle Outfitters 
chief supply chain officer called for action, basically, in the audience. He said, guys, if we continue doing what we currently do, we'll run out of space. Our distribution centers become bigger and bigger. We have more and more people using single shipments. And in order to look at the future, we need to find ways to consolidate the capacity we have and work together. Even brands that seem to be competitive should be working together. And when you think about the past, when we had production for brand garments, accessories in Far East, and especially in China, we had oftentimes one manufacturer and they would actually serve multiple brands in terms of production manufacturing of those garments. Why can't we share a distribution center in North America, a collective network that allows for the last mile to happen? So I think it was very inspiring. Ultimately, the story was very positive because we have time, we have the means of changing this, and we can do this together. Yes, it's exciting to see the focus on where things like supply chain are going and to hear great speakers like him really outline a strategy to address its inevitability if it continues on the path it's going on. And on that theme of looking to the future, any final thoughts before we close out this episode? What should executives be thinking about as we move towards 2023? Robin, let's start with you. Being someone who came from the industry, I think at this point, I start to think about 2023. Of course, it goes without saying that everyone should be ready for holiday. I'm excited to kick off next year with NRF to really bring everybody together. So get that planning in place for 2023. Thank you, Robin. Oliver, any thoughts towards the future? I take actually a lot of energy away from this event because we saw so many innovations and we saw so many software companies helping to innovate. As we identify the challenge and we call out that there's an issue to be solved, there will be a solution developed. So very positive. I really enjoyed the event. I'm looking forward to next year. Thank you, Oliver. In addition, for me, there's something fascinating, and this really brings us full circle to where we started today on the episode, of these emerging channels, social commerce, influencer marketing, the metaverse. While it's not all fully defined yet, it's growing. And making sure we're keeping track of what's happening in those spaces, doing experiments, taking some part of our budget and experimenting a bit in these spaces is worth the investment so that at a minimum, we can see when the major currents pick up and we can catch it and ride it. So Robin, Oliver, thank you both for sharing your insights on our podcast. Thank you so much, Matt. Always great to be here. Thank you, Robin and Matt. It's been a pleasure. In this podcast episode, we've unpacked insights from the 2022 Lead Innovation Summit Conference in New York. Though the event is over, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform to continue getting the latest consumer insights and connect with us on LinkedIn as we're here to support with the latest consumer industry challenges. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to sharing again with you in the future.